Yesterday, I forwarded you something from the Hipsters of New York Twitter account that says the Hipsters of New York are doing a digital detox. Oh. They deleted all of their social media. They still text, tweet, and post pictures to Instagram, but Facebook is just too toxic. (laughs) (laughs) It's a little close to home. Speaking of which, what is your digital detox? Historically, when we would go to the beach for a week, I uh, would not take a phone or tablet or computer or anything. How far into that week off did you start to get the shakes because your phone wasn't in your pocket? So you have withdrawals for about three days. And then after that, it was actually really enjoyable, except for I was always thinking I left my phone somewhere. Welcome to Touchpoint a podcast dedicated to discussions on digital marketing and digital patient engagement strategies for hospitals, health systems, and physicians' practices. In this podcast, we'll dive deep into a variety of topics on the digital tools, solutions, strategies, and processes that are impacting our industry today. We hope to share a lot of great information with you and have fun along the way. Now, here are your hosts. And welcome to episode 195 of Touchpoint. I'm Reed Smith, and that is Chris Boyer. Hey, Reed. How's it going? It's going well. I want to welcome everybody who may be returning from a uh, previous episode. Thanks for uh, coming back. If you're new, uh, welcome. Hopefully someone else told you about it and uh, you're here to check it out. Hopefully you'll enjoy it. Uh, A little bit about the show. We're going to talk about some fun stuff, but if you'd like to learn more about what we're talking about or see what all we've covered historically, you can do that over at touchpoint.health. That's the website that houses not only this show, but many others across the healthcare landscape. And so we would encourage you to go there and check those out. The exam room, a healthcare insight for marketers is one of our new ones. The morning fix is another great new show. Got a lot of great things happening and would uh, encourage you to check it out there. While you're there, sign up for the TPS report as our weekly email comes out. It's got about five or six articles curated by the lovely show host across the Touchpoint network. And we send that out each and every Monday morning. Tell you what, let's take a quick pause and then we'll be back with today's show. Chris, in today's digital age, your online reputation, as we all know, is crucial. With customers relying on online reviews, your first impression is also compared directly with your competitors. Sure is. And Reed, consider this, 86% of patients today read online reviews and 73% demand that that healthcare provider has a minimum four-star rating. Demand. They demand it. Yeah, they do. Well, to stand out, choose reputation to help amplify your brand and to build trust. Be the provider of choice in your area, understand patient sentiment, get actionable insights, and even foster patient loyalty. And look, here's the easy way you could do that. All you need to do is go visit reputation.com slash touchpoint. That's reputation.com slash touchpoint, where you can download their healthcare online reputation management guide and build a reputation that performs for you. Okay, Reed, today we're going to be talking about a topic we haven't really covered exclusively for an episode. As we put together the articles and and the discussion points for today's episode, we realized many hospitals and health systems do outreach, but I personally haven't spent a lot of time in it. Have you? 
Oh, I thought we were talking about billboards. You said it's something we hadn't talked about in a while. No, I mean, certainly when, when I was uh, the director of marketing uh, uh, and communications at a hospital, certainly community outreach was one of those things that I did. It, being in a small town, being the third largest employer in town, you know, made it almost an imperative to be involved, if you will, in the community. And I've worked for much larger organizations in my career. And so that's probably why I haven't spent a lot of time in this space. It's because when you get to a certain size, your community outreach efforts are kind of in a separate department than your marketing and communications departments. As an organization, I think that's probably true. Certainly there are individuals around an organization that are maybe on a local board of a nonprofit, for example, or something like that that they're passionate about. But yeah, it is an organizational initiative, certainly. So I thought, you know, it'd be interesting. Let's dive in and and kind of look at this and how it relates to, you know, what we do on a regular basis. Absolutely. Well, you found a great article here that we're going to go into first, Grace College Online Education. And they have an article that kind of covers what community outreach is, programs and strategies. They do. So again, uh, links in the show notes, all that kind of fun stuff. But they had a nice definition of community outreach, I think, that kind of sets the stage. And, And they say, community outreach refers to the efforts that connect an organization's ideas or practices to the public. So again, efforts that connect an organization's ideas or practices to the public. So unlike marketing, they say, which is focused on products and strategies that increase market share, outreach takes on the educational component that engages the community. I think that's kind of an interesting dynamic there between marketing and outreach. Outreach strategies, uh, they say, are linked to the organization's mission. So it's interesting as you say that, Reid, I was closing my eyes listening to you say that. And I was thinking, doesn't marketing in, in healthcare, aren't we also focused on engaging our community? Aren't we also focused on education? And particularly, you know, in this year, we spent a lot of time there. So it's to me, it's a little surprising that in larger organizations, the connection between marketing and community outreach sometimes can be so diverse, so different. Yeah, or, or siloed, maybe. You know, we always talk about, and and you think about community outreach, just in and of itself makes for wonderful content for social media because it's a lot of events. It's very colorful. Obviously, there's pictures, video, et cetera. And that's just on a practical kind of day-to-day tactical standpoint. But let's look in in this article. They talk about some of the outreach strategies, and they actually pulled it from a Forbes, I think, Forbes article that talked about how nonprofits can better engage with their communities. But I think whether the hospital is a nonprofit or not is kind of a side point here. But maybe let's jump into these and talk about how they how they may impact uh, the marketing side as well. Absolutely. And let's keep that lens on as we talk about the first one here, they say, is to encourage conversation. Having discussions with a wide range of stakeholders allows you to find opportunities that align with what they say and as it matters to them, and can lead to deeper relationships. Again, in my mind, encouraging conversations, isn't that what healthcare marketing does? So it feels like that's really aligned. Absolutely. The second one, they say, participate in local events, festivals, community events uh, that involve local businesses are a great place to set up a booth and interact with the community. It also raises awareness, provides a face for your organization, and allows you to share uh, takeaway content to help people you meet remember you 
uh, and visit websites, social properties, et cetera, where they can learn more. So think about that for a second. The participation in the local event certainly helps whatever that's benefiting, right? Because you're paying money maybe for a booth or something like that. So that's fine. But it's a raise awareness face for your organization, allows people to remember you, to visit websites, social profiles. So again, a lot of marketing related ownership here. And the next couple are going to get into something a little bit different, but they still connect to marketing. The third is around being a partner for your community. The key to engaging local communities, they say, is to understand the issues that affect them the most. And the community has to view you as a partner that will be there for the long term with their concerns in mind. That's a little bit of higher onus, right? Marketing doesn't really spend a lot of time building partnerships. Well, maybe with the exception of sponsorships, maybe in, in the terms of a paid sponsorship, they're building a, a partnership there or, or so to speak. Okay. Paid. Yeah. Paid is, is an interesting one. I mean, I always see hospitals certainly as a partner for the community, certainly from an educational standpoint. I don't know. I mean, that's an interesting one. As you think about marketing specifically, I think, again, partnering with other organizations in the community could be interesting. And, you know, how that then, I guess, kind of leverages what you're doing. Uh, The next one here, they talk about targeting leaders and influencers. So we talk about this a lot, certainly. Maybe not exactly in your local community when we think about influencers, but I think that's uh, exactly where you should start. They talk about targeting leaders and influencers uh, working on the ground, provide value to them first before trying to get uh, an insider recommendation, which will always carry more weight. So the idea here, I guess, would be listen more than you talk. All these things that you've heard all your life, right? Give uh, more compliments than criticism. So this idea that like go in and actually provide value before you start looking for extracting what's in it for me, right? And you know, I can't help but think about influencer marketing here because there is a paid component of this too that many marketing suites are starting to look at and address. So, you know, it's kind of an interesting thing here. Number 5 on that on this list is to host events, trainings and seminars. Make effective use of your office space, or I guess in the case of hospitals or health systems, your clinics, and allow staff to practice their pitches and teach the community about what they do best. Okay, now I know that in my experience, a lot of marketers have been involved in this kind of stuff where they do like, you know, health fair outreach, you know, and things like that. And they're there to support and maybe, you know, they're there with like trying to get them engaged somehow. Yeah. I mean, this is certainly with your community-based hospitals, especially, uh, you have community health fairs and things like that, that have been going on for years. I can remember doing these. And it was great because you were able to bring in others within the community to have booths alongside of, you know, the the dozen or so that may be from the, from the hospital, right? So you're, you're building that opportunity for the community to really, to benefit from. Uh, the last one they, they list here, create mutually beneficial opportunities. So one of those could be those health fairs, for example. But they say that other people need to feel fulfilled for their efforts. Be sure to learn what is important to them and what will make them proud. And so, again, I think this is, you know, how are you a partner, not just the one extracting all the equity out of the equation is it, really kind of how I read that. So, Again, I think this idea for you know being involved in the community is as much about providing value to the community as it is to try trying to extract value. 
What's interesting is, is that the more we talk about marketing's role is starting to shift and become more involved in engagement and experience. When I think about these six characteristics that, that were outlined around community outreach efforts, I think about the fact that if we just swapped out the stakeholder from being patients, perhaps, or physicians or whatever, and we put in community members, could be like churches or various nonprofits that are serving the community, food banks, things like that, that becomes very much a, uh, it, it's just like, basically, we're doing the same marketing efforts to this other type of population with different goals in mind, so to speak. You know, it's personalized, right? Just like we would anything else to your point. And so, yeah, I mean, that's exactly what's happening here. And, you know, I think, again, all of this works better. You know, if you think about brand and brand awareness and all of that, there's a place for everything that we do, certainly. And, you know, community outreach, community uh, perception is driven a lot of the times by that outreach and partnership in and amongst everything else that's going on. Why don't we do this? After the break, Reed, why don't we come back and we'll talk a little bit about how technology and health information technology can help with this kind of communication efforts. And then we'll also look at an article that we found that is not necessarily healthcare related, but it talks about how to do equitable public outreach and engagement during the COVID pandemic. Do that right after this break. Coming soon from Greystone, Bowstring, and Touchpoint Media, live from HCIC, a new podcast that brings you front row access to the latest innovative strategies that are shaping tomorrow's healthcare industry. In this 12-part series, as recorded live at the Healthcare Internet Conference, we'll hear from industry experts such as Paul Madsen of the Cleveland Clinic, Kathy Smith of Roper St. Francis Healthcare, David Feinberg from Mount Sinai Health System, Rose Glenn from Michigan Medicine, and many others. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcasting platform. This podcast series is brought to you by Greystone.net, Bowstring, and Touchpoint Media. All right, so let's let's shift a little bit. So now that we've we've got it, and I really do think that that was a good uh, kind of overview of community engagement, community outreach, involvement in the community, things like that. But specifically, is you know kind of worth thinking about what does this mean? You know, opportunities, etc. We're going to shift a little bit to a, to an article that you found uh, specifically around you know health communication and health information as it relates to the overview of the technology, right? That's right. And this is coming from a website that we actually referred to once before in our podcast, um, and it's healthypeople.gov, or the long-form name, the Office of Disease Prevention and Health Promotion, which is an extension of the government. And so this article actually shares a couple of things that really is designed to show how you can use health communication strategies and health information technology together to improve population health outcomes, healthcare quality, and even achieve health equity. The ever-elusive. No, but seriously, I, I think that's where we're, we're trying to move. And, and we've talked about this a lot lately, I feel like, you know, around health equity and making sure that what we're providing and what we're doing, and that's obviously why virtual care and telehealth has, has made some of the inroads it has, uh, is because it has that opportunity, certainly. So they start off by talking about that ideas around health and behaviors are shaped by the communication, information, and technology that people interact with every day. 
and it's central to healthcare as well and, and public health and the way our society views health. And so when we think about our roles in this health communication strategy, now in the pandemic times, but also prior and afterwards, right, it's going to become very important. And it provides the context in which for us to engage with the community, so to speak. So they include here some potential objectives leveraging the health information technology in this space. So they include uh, things like uh, supporting shared decision-making between patients and providers. So, I mean, I guess typically you're you're kind of somewhat restricted in, in that way because as a consumer, as a patient, you may not have access to everything at, at every point. So this is supposed to aid in kind of helping, you know, along those lines. What I like about that, though, it's shared decision making, right? So we put some of the onus on the patient itself. And that relates to the second point here around providing personalized self-management tools and resources. So much broader than like health risk assessments here, we're talking about health management tools that could be in your patient portal. It could be through apps or whatever it might be, but you want to provide them a network of which they can actually leverage those tools. Another one they mentioned, and we've seen some of this through the years, certainly, but is building social support networks. There's different ways you can do that. As we think about it, you know, as it, especially as it relates to like social media, you know, people's minds probably default to like the Facebook groups, you know, that are in, that, that, you know, potentially are extensions of in-person support groups and things like that. I think that's an interesting one. Um, I think that's one where I think we're going to continue, you know, take the word Facebook out of the equation. We're going to have to continue going to where patients participate and making it easy for them. And, you know, allowing people to connect and, you know, giving people the opportunity to connect is maybe a better way to say it that, you know, make it more equitable and make it accessible. And to that end as well, to deliver accurate, accessible and actionable health information targeted or tailored to those audiences too. And that's the other promise of uh, health IT. If you start to know them, you can track them better. You could actually start to personalize your communications with them. And I think that, you know, continues to kind of iterate or personalize over time even, right? It's not just like a one-time adjustment, if you will. Uh, They talk in here also about facilitating uh, the meaningful use of health IT in exchange for health information along uh, among healthcare and public health officials. Is this meaningful use in the <laughs> capital meaningful capital use? No, I don't think so. I think this is about developing a health information exchange oh, okay. that, that like public health officials, health health systems, and other people that are in the community can use to actually look at health interventions accordingly, which is very important, particularly now, uh, because you know we want to have those quick and informed responses when health risks or public health emergencies like the pandemic are arising in our communities. You know, and then another thing that goes along with this, another objective would be to increase health literacy skills to ensure that we're teaching people how to be better health denizens, you know, intervene in in proactive ways or reactive ways with our community and get them to be more educated about the actions that they take to be healthy. That's kind of critical in order for us to be able to respond adequately to real-time decisions. Another, um, and we've already kind of touched on this some, but is, you know, providing opportunities or, and maybe even new ways to connect with uh, culturally diverse and hard to reach populations. You know, we've talked a little bit about this as it relates to, you know, high speed internet, even, you know, how do we get to folks that, 
don't have it. They, they don't live very close to some of the major arteries and infrastructure that we see across some of our communities. That's where some of this can kind of come into play. There's a lot to this article, just so you know. We encourage you to go link to this because there's resources, et cetera. But let's end with like some of the potentials that they say are going to come from combining these two, health communication and HIT. The, some of the potentials they say is to improve healthcare quality and safety, as well as increase the efficiency of healthcare and public health service delivery. And I think this is where you know it kind of ties back into some of the community outreach so they talk a little bit about it, the improvement of public health uh, information infrastructure, um, support care in the community and at home, which again, kind of all part of this uh, participating and providing value back to the community, facilitate clinical and consumer decision-making making, uh, abilities, and, and finally to build health skills and knowledge. And so again, the health skills and knowledge piece, I think ties into a lot, especially as we've historically thought about community outreach and that education piece. And so technology, I think really does play an important role as we, as we evolve and think about what our community outreach strategies are and what they can be. I mean, this is a very complex equation in front of us, right? And it gets even more complex when we get into, uh, you know, the pandemic and how we're hearing about misinformation, et cetera. Our role is very, very important, but part of that other role is around equity. And so lastly, why don't we close out this before we go to a great interview that we have here, where we talk about some of the principles for equitable public outreach and engagement during the pandemic and beyond. Um, Now, this article that we're referring to is actually not a healthcare-related article, Reed. It's actually written for people that are involved in public transit. Think about like bus drivers, train drivers, you know, those sorts of people. They're also a very important part of public outreach. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, you see in a lot of rural areas, especially as you, as you think about, you know, well, how do people make their way to care? You know, how do you get to the doctor's office, for example? You know, with that in mind, let's think about this. Even though these are written for that audience in mind, I think that we as healthcare, uh, we, we here in healthcare can actually uh, utilize these as well. So they give a couple of elements around guidance. Some of them seem a little bit, uh, I don't know, pretty straightforward, but it's important to understand like when you're selecting an engagement strategy or any kind of ways that are either online or offline, these are some of the things that you want to be cognizant of when it comes to equity. The first is to identify what the goals are, what resources you have, and any kind of accountability measures to ensure that you're doing an inclusive public outreach, right? And not an exclusive public outreach. So in the case of hospitals and health systems, that could go be pretty broad because you might have a lot of community members that are reaching communities that you yourself as an organization are not getting into. They also talk a little bit in here about uh, you know identifying who it is that you're trying to reach, right? So the most vulnerable communities, for example, like that's, that's where you're going to have the, the impact. So it's like, you know, how do you identify that? Well, and as people in the, if we are in a healthcare system, we can help to help them to identify and target those people, right? We, we kind of in part help with that. With that. Um, and then you can design your outreach and engagement methods accordingly. You want to set equity criteria for accompanying tools 
that are reaching those vulnerable communities. So, you know, in many cases, maybe it's not a good idea to do a smartphone outreach strategy if you're reaching a population that is homeless and may not have access to regular internet or phones. Maybe it's better to leverage sort of a hybrid model and even lose, use your maybe local libraries or other municipalities or other places we could better reach them. What about, and they talk about this, they talk about the ability, and I'm skipping down here a little bit, but the analog strategies and tools can be just as innovative and effective as digital tools. What are your thoughts on that? No, I totally agree with you on that. I mean, of course, you and I love digital so much, Reed. But mm-hmm. you know, when you think about in, in some of these hard-to-reach communities, these communities that we haven't traditionally been good at serving, it might become very increasingly important to use offline strategies as well. Now, of course, that's a little challenging. But I have to say, you know, even here in the city of Minneapolis, there's a huge homeless population right now. And where are they congregating? Well, they're congregating in shelters and and community areas. And if you as a health system have community outreach to these homeless shelters, to the food banks, etc., that gives you some great analog ways to interact and maybe share best practices around, you know, staying safe in the in the time of COVID, free testing capabilities, that sort mm-hmm. of thing. There's mm-hmm. a lot of opportunities there. And none of that involves, you know, your phone or social media or whatever. I'm not saying that you want to throw that away, right? But you definitely have to kind of weigh and prioritize that input and criteria. Billboards. <laughs> yeah. Or billboards comes back in. I knew we were going to talk about it at some point. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the, the last couple, they seem kind of straightforward, but it's important to reiterate, right? You want to be consistent with your messaging and tools. Yeah. You want to make sure that you're being, you're representing yourself now with hospitals and health systems. It's easy because communicating about public health, it's consistent with your brand. Well, this is going to be very easy, right, for you to align with that. But the overall intent here is to build some trust. And that they actually underscore here is that it's not just one touch point, you have to build trust by developing ways to continually follow up, right? It isn't just showing up at a food bank and saying, hey, we have these things. We have you know, free COVID testing next week here. You want to continue to build that engagement and trust by following up within your communities. There you go. I mean, that's kind of a weighty topic. We didn't, we touched a little bit on digital in here, but Reed, you know, it was an important topic because it's, it's at the top of everybody's mind right now. I think it is. And I think for good reason, certainly I think, uh, again, the telehealth virtual care piece has driven us to a place of, uh, you know, understanding the need of the community, what our, what the perception is and things like that. And so I think there's an opportunity to do a couple of things from a digital perspective. One is, you know, to, to evaluate that online brand health. If you're out participating in the community in doing some of the things that we talked about, when people go back, like we said early on, um, you're getting FaceTime, you're telling people to go check out websites and social properties. What are they going to find? Uh, is the information they're going to find correct, number one? And secondly, what does it say? What can you do from a, um, uh, you know, to try to reach everybody? How do you put uh, resources and things in place uh, virtually, uh, especially now? Because we're probably not going to have you know, in-person health fairs this fall. So what can you do online? So these are some things you can start kind of thinking about 
and pushing forward as um, you know maybe some uh, some new initiatives even. One other thing that you could consider is actually the topic of the interview that we're going to go to in just a second. I had recently sat down with Evan Brandoff of League Side. He is an organization that works with other health systems about leveraging youth sports sponsorships as a way to build community trust and community outreach. And he works with a lot of hospitals and health systems, even through the pandemic, he's been working with them. And so he and I sat down and had a good conversation about how health systems can also leverage these these connections, these other connection points. And while we're talking about it, think about uh, how this may even relate to maybe those professional sports relationships that you have through sponsorships or what have you. So we'll listen to that interview, and then we'll be back to wrap up the show in just a moment. Welcome back to the Ask the Experts section of the podcast. And today I am talking with Evan Brandoff of League Side. Evan, nice to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. Really excited to be here. You and I have had a chance to kind of catch up on the phone and and have a couple of conversations. And I'm really excited about the topic we're going to dive into. But before we get to that topic, uh, if you can introduce yourself to our audience, tell them a little bit about your background and about your company. I'm Evan. I'm the co-founder and CEO of League Side. LeagueSide connects community youth sports leagues across the country with regional and national sponsors. I'm originally from New York, Long Island. A fun fact about me, I have two older brothers that are 15 and 17 years older than me. So it was a bit wow. of a surprise <laughs> when I came around. I always loved entrepreneurship. Uh, I actually went to school down in Austin, Texas. After school, I joined a fellowship program called Venture for America where I worked for a tech startup in uh, Detroit for two years and ran advertising on their site. So people would go to Benzinga to see different stock trading ideas. I would monetize our website and would see that companies would spend so many dollars on digital ads, not necessarily because they were super effective, but because they were measurable and scalable, Uh, but simultaneously loved volunteering at youth sporting events. One weekend in particular, I was volunteering at a basketball tournament in Detroit. I looked around the audience and realized there's no better way to engage with families in the community than when they're together watching their kids play sports. So thought, what if there is a way to connect all these community sports leagues across the country and help regional and national companies effectively reach these families while helping kids play sports? So started LeagueSide about five years ago, and we do just that. Specifically in healthcare, we work with hospital systems, urgent care centers, in order to help them achieve their community marketing goals. While simultaneously, last year alone, we contributed over $2.5 million to youth sports leagues, giving over 7,500 kids the opportunity to play. The importance of uh, helping to fund youth sports, which is a very important part of community health initiatives. I love the fact that you're intersecting healthcare and health systems with that initiative, because one of the the struggles that health systems have been facing over the last couple of years uh, has been the need to expand past the borders, so to speak, right? To get into the community, to actually take ownership of that health conversation. Do you find that to be one of the, the drivers behind why they're involved with you? That's exactly right, Chris. And and from children's hospitals we work with, like Children's Hospital of Los Angeles or Children's Hospital of Seattle to top uh, orthopedic centers like Hospital for Special Surgery uh, and Nemours, there's a constant need to 
Uh, how do you build trust in communities? How do you become part of that community and build trust? Speaking to trust, there's just a recent Edelman survey that came out that shows that trust is the second most important topic for a consumer behind quality. It shows how important it is to, how do you connect with families in the community? And, and that's, we're seeing it's top of mind for specifically in healthcare in such a competitive landscape. How do you connect with families in your target uh, region in order to build that trust, become part of the community, and ultimately drive more patient volume. One of the first persons that kind of was my mentor as I entered into healthcare marketing so many years ago, he he came from a political background, and he said, trust is probably the most critical part of the relationship that health systems can build with their communities. And so I see this kind of reinforced because that is ever tenuous. In healthcare specifically, with the last uh, decade, the the uh, increase in urgent care centers, uh, the change in insurance policies, a lot of consumers don't know where to go and when. There's another need to educate consumers in the community about when they should go to emergency versus when they should go to urgent care versus when they should see their primary physician. It's hard to educate communities through traditional channels, tapping in to youth sports leagues or other community initiatives is a great way to not only build trust and connect, but also educate your target consumers. Building that relationship with that community directly. You know, I'm a digital marketer by nature, and I know there's only a tenuous amount of trust you can build online. And having this face-to-face kind of community relationship is critical. And a lot of health systems approach their community marketing initiatives in multiple different ways. And this sounds like a really great way to intersect that again with a place that's really close to home, which is youth sports leagues. Exactly. And Chris, I'm curious, as a digital marketer, you were also excited to talk about how healthcare systems can get buy-in from physicians on community marketing initiatives. What, what do you see from being on the inside? What do you see as the importance of community marketing initiatives? Well, I think community marketing is a great way to uh, have that face-to-face connection. A lot of times we still have to remember that healthcare really happens face-to-face. That trust is built face-to-face. As much as you can build all these digital properties and digital channels, a lot of it is to kind of break down the silos between the brand and the, the community themselves. While many people only come to our hospital websites because they're having some sort of episodic event, they're there for a purpose, right? Having that relationship with them when they're not necessarily looking for care, but can have that reinforcement of health and wellness uh, within the community, within that direct face-to-face connection, that's critical. And you have to get them where they're at. We talk a lot about personalization, being at the right place at the right time with the right message. Uh, Well, this is one of those places that uh, a lot of times hospitals and health systems struggle very hard to have that communication with their, their community in this way. I couldn't agree with you more. And digital channels still plays a really important role in healthcare. And what we've been educating or working with the, the healthcare providers that we uh, work with to do is use the content from their community initiatives. So for example, photos of kids playing sports with the logo of, of the hospital on their chest as through their digital channels. You can't reach as many people through community initiatives as you can through digital, and you can't be as targeted. You can't set up an appointment uh, in person at a field. Digital is so important, but what we've been working on is how do you merge the two in order to extend the uh, reach, but also just make both more effective. 
Yeah, it's that symbiotic relationship between offline and online. It's ever so uh, hard to grasp. One thing you brought up is you asked, you, you indicated physicians being involved in this. How do you gain that support from physicians? How do you get them to be involved in some of these initiatives that you're doing? Great question. I'll use a personal story in order to speak exactly to uh, not only the need to get physicians involved, but how we do it. My oldest brother is an orthopedic spine surgeon. He works in, in the New York area at a larger healthcare system. And I remember we used to always have conversations about how stressed he was about more competitors coming into the space and stressed about how he's going to increase patient volume to his practice. I would always say to him, why are you worried about increasing patient volume? You're, you're a surgeon. You need to be just focused on how are you going to perform spine surgery and let the, the business dude and your marketing team worry about getting patients. Then we started working with this hospital group, and I realized that his marketing team is absolutely awesome. That said, they didn't have a great communication channel with the physicians to let the physicians know what they're working on, why they're working on it, and how effective it is. So my brother just always kind of felt a little bit in the dark because he didn't know what the marketing department was doing to support him. He would often send different ideas to the marketing department which marketing departments don't love that either because <laughs> <laughs> they don't want doctors to tell them how to, how to do their, their job. Early on, we would just solely work with marketing departments and we would get tremendous results. Awareness and consideration would increase by over 100% in communities that we were sponsoring youth sports leagues. But we were still seeing that the physicians would be pinging uh, the marketing department about different community initiatives they could be working on or different marketing channels. So. We did two things. One, we started getting the physicians involved at the actual sporting events. So at coaches meetings and different parent gatherings, we would set up opportunities for a physician to go on site and educate the community about concussion awareness or how to play safely and simultaneously educate about the different services that the hospital system has to offer. The second thing that we did is we made it super, super simple for marketing departments to share the results and the content from their sponsorships. So what I mean by that is we sent over really quick video sizzle reels and photos that with a click of the button, they could send out to their entire hospital group or whatever it may be in order to show the physicians what they're doing, how they're supporting them, and the amazing results that they're seeing. So it sounds like that's a two-pronged approach to creating that, the, you know, kind of that content. One, it's to, obviously, it could be used to communicate to the general community, like on those social channels or digital channels that we talked about before. It's a great way to kind of highlight some of the, the involvement that uh, the health system has in the community. On the other hand, it's also a way to kind of generate more internal interest to uh, engage more physicians. Is that what I'm hearing? Exactly. The analogy I like to use, uh, I'm, a, I'm a sports guy. Physicians are the, the players, let's say, in a professional sports setting. Typically, you know, you go to see a, a basketball team because, because you want to see LeBron play. You want to see the stars. And if LeBron has an opinion of how things should, should be run, the organization is often going to listen to LeBron because LeBron is who fills seats. But that's often to the detriment of the healthcare system as the marketing department might have been doing something phenomenal uh, and it could get derailed if, if, if a doctor wants to do something different. So by keeping them informed, keeping them in the loop and getting them involved, it's getting internal buy-in, it's allowing marketing departments 
to execute on their initial plan instead of changing course in, in between. And simultaneously, it's a, a symbiotic relationship. When everyone's involved, it's going to yield the best results for that initiative. In effect, to extend your analogy, uh, it's turning the marketing department in, uh, away from being overzealous fans to being actually more proactive ways uh, to market and communicate uh, what's going on on the, on the playing field with the physicians. Exactly. Does does that resonate with you? Yeah. I'm not sure. <laughs> I was trying to make a metaphor there. I'm not sure if that worked. So. No, I love it. And and you got to come to the league side office at some time. Just it's all sports <laughs> puns and analogies, and you'll fit right in. I think that's an important role that a physician can play in this work. But oftentimes, I, I've worked with physicians over the years, and they kind of come to these to these encounters or to these events with specific expectations, maybe expectations, and they're a little bit stiff, stodgy, and maybe they're thinking they're going to engage a certain way. What specifically are they doing with these community events that you're that you're working with? It comes down to a couple things. One is proper, properly setting expectations, letting physicians know that it's going to be a small, intimate setting, but it's going to be an opportunity for them to reach real stakeholders in the community. So what I mean by that is a lot of the engagements that we typically arrange between physicians and sports groups is the coaches meeting before the season starts, allowing a doctor to come and speak to a group of 25 coaches. It's not the biggest group. That said, those coaches are going to be major influencers. If any, if God forbid, any kid uh, gets hurt throughout the season, or or even if any parent needs to go to a doctor or some sort of physician. So it's setting expectations about the quality of the people they're they're speaking to, not necessarily the quantity. The second point, Chris, is matching physicians with the community initiatives that they care about most. So using uh, working with league side, we're constantly making sure that physicians are matching with the sports leagues where their kids play. That way, they're uh, already a stakeholder in that community. It's encouraging them to get, you know, even deeper and talking to other parents about their physician practice, and simultaneously look like a hero to their kid and their kid's friends. Uh, you know, as marketers, we just want to make everyone look like heroes. That's our job. There's a question that's kind of in the back of my mind. Having worked in health systems over the years, I know that there's a hi- higher importance or emphasis placed maybe on developing a relationship with professional athletics. And I understand that. I understand that need to get involved with that as more of a sponsorship uh, initiative. But with when we're talking about youth sports leagues, it's less of a sponsorship and it's more of a community initiative. Is that right? Sponsoring youth sports leagues is more so a community initiative. Both sponsoring youth sports and pro sports uh, serve different needs. Uh, pro sports, it's an opportunity to be associated with a professional sports team that is highly renowned in an area. Youth sports, it's more of a way to deeply connect with families and exact zip codes that you're trying to reach and educate them about specific services and increase sentiment. A stat that's really interesting is that brand recall at youth sporting events is 84%. Take a guess what brand recall is at pro sporting events. Probably much lower. It's about 20%. Yeah. So sponsoring youth sports leagues, it's a more effective way to stay top of mind, uh, increase awareness, increase uh, sentiment. That said, by sponsoring a pro sports team, your reach is is much greater. So what we're doing is often in markets is where 
if if there is a healthcare system that's sponsoring a professional sports team, we're helping them extend that into local communities and they extend that to the youth sports leagues as well. So for example, there's a healthcare system down in Texas that we work with. They sponsor the Houston Astros. As part of that sponsorship, they got tickets to an Astros game. What we did is we used those tickets and we ran a coach of the year award where a coach got to take his team to an Astros game and go on the field before the game. So we allowed them to extend their professional sports sponsorship into the community so they were able to get the benefits from both. It sounds like a win-win overall for hospitals and health systems to get involved with this. Now, if if people listening in want to get started down the path of looking into really developing an effective um, community marketing initiative through a local sports league, a youth sports league, do you have any tips or, or ideas that they can get started down that down that path? If healthcare systems want to take on these community initiatives on their own, thinking of it as holistically, how is this going to connect to other initiatives that I'm working on? And how am I going to get buy-in from all the important parties uh, or stakeholders in, in my healthcare system or wherever I'm working in order to set this up for success? In its own right, supporting a community initiative is great. But in order for it to become more of a steady part of your media marketing mix, figure out, you know, set goals, figure out if this is achieving those goals and make sure that the physicians, whoever the appropriate stakeholders are, are involved in order for it to have a long lasting impact. As healthcare becomes more and more complex and that ever tenuous relationship of trust between the health system and the community is strained even further by multiple, you know, community initiatives. Do you see that uh, involvement in, in various community marketing initiatives, such like you, such as youth sports leagues is going to be a critical part of health systems relationship with their community? We certainly do. And not, not just in healthcare, uh, a quick anecdote, Procter & Gamble, which is one of the largest advertisers in the world, uh, about a, a year ago, they shifted almost $150 million of their digital ad spend to community initiatives in order to more effectively engage with people in a one-to-one setting. We see this trend happening in, in all different forms of advertising, people looking for different ways to be able to engage with their target consumers in a meaningful way, build trust, and do this at scale. At league side, we're starting with youth sports. Our long-term mission is to build channels that allows for companies to spend a majority of their marketing uh, budget on initiatives that support communities. Because when you're supporting communities, you're becoming part of that community, you're building trust, and ultimately it's going to yield best long-term results for, for your brand and the community. But, you know, this also begs a question. I think one of the things, too, that we're, we're seeing in a lot of health systems is there is the opportunity to also leverage this trust to their employees. So what are your thoughts and, and perspectives on that? How can health systems start to also leverage this, uh, you know, this opportunity for trust into their employee base? That's a great question, Chris, and I'm glad you uh, bring this up because uh, I think what you're referring to is the employee's at healthcare systems that aren't the doctors or the nurses, uh, you know, whether they're essential workers that are keeping the hospital clean or, or, or cooking or, or you know, so many important people at the healthcare system. I know that the, the past months have been challenging. The most important thing that healthcare systems could do to, with those employees is show them that they truly and deeply care and have 
the backs of, of those people. And the way to do that is it's similar to how you engage with all other members in the community as well. Uh, it's do things for their family, sponsor their kids' sports leagues, show them that you care about the well-being of their children, give them access to COVID testing in a certain area where, where it's employees only. Do things that, that show them that there is nothing more important to, to you and your organization than keeping them safe, keeping them happy. But, you know, unfortunately, uh, pretty much all of the healthcare world has been hit hard financially. So paying more is, is, isn't an option in, in many situations. Uh, so showing that you care, you have their backs and, and, and doing everything possible uh, to support them and their families is, is the best thing you can be doing in, in, in these challenging times. You know, I think that's a really important p- point that you make is that, you know, many of the employees that work for your organization are community members and they have families and children. And again, it's sort of reinforcing a strong community presence is important, particularly through challenging times like COVID. And we're, we're going up into the winter times now, and uh, it's going to be even more challenging as we look forward, you know, uh, over the next couple of months when things get colder out. And this really presents a great opportunity for health systems to partner with these community uh, sports, sporting events, but also community events to start to share and impart best practices of, about staying safe through the cold weathers as well, right? Exactly. And, and, a perfect example is we work with the healthcare system down in Kentucky. They uh, wanted to sponsor youth sports leagues in a more strategic way. Historically, it had been very reactive, re- responding to, to sponsorship requests. We help them do it in a proactive way where we're helping them match with the organizations that match the criteria of people they want to reach, but also do it in such a way where they're achieving their marketing goals. And something that they specifically wanted to do was sponsor the teams of employees that work at their hospital. So we helped them strategically choose the towns that they knew that they had employees live in. And we made sure that we were sponsoring the teams of the kids of the employees. And what that did was it increased the net promoter score of the employees by, I think it was by 20 points. So it was significant. Additionally, from a business perspective, those employees became a sounding board for how much they love their job, how much they love what they do, and educating other members when they're on the sidelines at a sporting event uh, uh, about when they went for their last checkup or when they went for their last immunizations. So by thinking strategically, by, by doing these community initiatives, you can not only increase the goodwill of, of your employees, but also leverage that in order to you know, acquire new patients uh, and do which in these situations, there is nothing better that a healthcare system could do than figure out how to get more people uh, to, to come in and, and get much needed preventative care. Absolutely. And and honestly, the things that you're saying are actually very important for a well-rounded health system to have been doing anyway pandemic or not, right? So what you're talking about is like the, just reinforcing some of the areas that maybe have been overlooked for a while, particularly as we struggled over the last couple of months around, you know, responding to the crisis. A, a good, healthy, sustainable brand for a healthcare system involves engaging in the community on many different levels. That's not to say, right, that online social media involvement is still important, getting your experts on TV is still important, but don't overlook this opportunity, right? 
100%, Chris. And what we see is by investing in the community and, and doing different community initiatives, uh, your social ads, your digital ads, the conversions tend to increase uh, when you're investing in, in, in different parts of the funnel as well. That's incredible to see. And, you know, it's one of the, it's like reinforces that adage, right? That a rising tide lifts all ships, so to speak. <laughs> it certainly does. Right, right. Well, this has been a great conversation. I really appreciated it, Evan. Um, you know, people listening in, they may want to know a little bit more about you in Leagueside. What are some ways they can find you online? So Leagueside is a tricky word. It's spelled like sports league, L-E-A-G-U-E, side, S-I-D-E. Check out leagueside.com. Uh, we're on all the different social platforms, uh, and we've been working on a lot of exciting things uh, specifically to, to save youth sports. COVID was a really devastating time to the youth sports industry, where a lot of kids were left on the sideline, and, and check out what we're doing in order to make sure that as many kids as possible are, are getting back uh, on the field. Well, thanks again for your time today. Thanks, Chris. All right, and thanks again to Evan Brandoff from uh, Leagueside for coming on the show and talking a little bit about youth sports sponsorships. I remember uh, growing up, certainly, uh, and playing sports and having people sponsor our jerseys and having signs like on the outfield fence. So I still remember uh, Fowler Chevrolet. So there you go. It was Mm. uh, good involvement uh, for them. (laughs) I never bought a car from Fowler (laughs) Chevrolet, so maybe it wasn't a good idea. But anyway... (laughs) <laughs> uh, neither here nor there. It's uh, it's a great way to get involved and obviously have that connection to the community because as such a, uh, a meeting spot for so many. So appreciate him coming on. Very quickly, I wanted to mention uh, HCIC at Home coming up in November. Uh, more to come on our involvement there on the uh, on the old podcast, but uh, that's coming up. So HCIC.net's the website. You can also sign up for the Weekly TPS report over at touchpoint.health to uh, um, receive links on any upcoming events that include webinars and all that. And we'll have more to share on a webinar coming up as well. Tune in there, subscribe, and we would certainly appreciate it. Uh, okay, before we get out of here, a couple of recommendations. Reed, I, today I am going to recommend a, a television series on Netflix just in time for the holiday season or the spooky season, as they call it. Right. All right. Way back when, I recommended uh, the first series uh, that was around this, which is called The Haunting of Hill House. Do you remember when I recommended that a while ago? Yeah, 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 yeah. Rings a bell. So there's now a follow-up series on Netflix that was just released called The Haunting of Bly Manor. Oh. It is a nine-episode program. Very much scary. It's also kind of adult-themed, so I wouldn't recommend having the kids watch it with you. I actually got creeped out a couple of times because it's so scary. But it's set in the 1980s. A young American nanny comes to live in a household with two kids. And the scariness of this manor, Bly Manor, kind of come to light through the series. And it's very interesting the way the story is told. It, it kind of builds onto itself. Some episodes entirely follow a narrative that you have to watch and, and you don't get it till the very end. But I'm telling you, great, great show. It's a lot of fun to watch. Um, if you're looking for something to do a little quick binge, nine episodes, not that long, and just in time for Halloween. So I would say this is the show to watch, The Haunting of Bly Manor. I don't have anything near as 
creepy or appropriately themed for the holidays. But I'm going to recommend that everyone should own a pair of Air Jordan 1s. Nike Air Jordan 1s. Uh, obviously, they originally came out way back in the day, like 84-ish, uh, 85, somewhere in there. And they were black and red and white for the Chicago Bulls, as that obviously made sense. Well, in recent years, probably over the last couple of decades, I guess, but specifically the last handful of years, as the sneakerhead culture has really come uh, full force, they re-release all of these old shoes. And then they re-release them in different colors, uh, call them colorways. Uh, I just got a pair of the Air Jordan 1 uh, retro uh, highs, so they're high tops, but they're the mocha colored. Oh. And uh, so they're like black and brown and white. Seem appropriate for fall. I actually somehow, I, I don't know how, got some access to an early release. So these shoes actually do not release until uh, Halloween, until the 31st. Wow. So you have an opportunity to still get them. You can do it through the Nike app, which is another good app, maybe another good recommendation, or the sneaker app, which is really good. But yeah, so Air Jordan 1s. Look at you with the inside scoop on the shoes. All right. Well, uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks for uh, hanging around with us for another week. We would appreciate it very so much if you signed up for one, the TPS report over at touchpoint.health. If you rated a show, so if you go out to iTunes uh, or Spotify or uh, any, any of the podcasting apps, wherever you may be listening, rate, review, subscribe certainly is, is super, super helpful. That allows for other folks to find it. Now, speaking of other people finding it, uh, there's nothing better than just telling somebody about it. So we would certainly appreciate the support. Love to hear from you, LinkedIn, Twitter, whatever it may be. Let us know what we're missing, what you'd like to hear, who you'd like to hear from. And for Chris Boyer, I'm Reed Smith. This has been a Touchpoint Media production. To learn more about this show and others like it, please visit us online at touchpoint.health.